The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you longing for a place where hope, ideas, and new ways of thinking can arise? For nearly 50 years, Omega Institute's campus in Rhinebeck, New York, has been a gathering place where world-class teachers provide innovative educational experiences that cultivate extraordinary potential in us all. Join us, either on campus or online. To learn more, visit eomega.org. I mentioned earlier breathing as the radical rest practice for Black and Indigenous people because, again, our breath is taken away. Or I know a lot of Black and Indigenous people are suffering from panic and anxiety disorders because of racial battle fatigue. I've had a few clients through the the years who don't realize that they're holding their breath. So that's a radical rest practice. Hi there. Welcome to Students of Mind, the mental health podcast made by curious minds for curious minds. On this podcast, we the hosts are just like you, eager to learn more about the mind. Here we learn with you and provide you with clear, concise information backed up by real experts about all things mental health. My name is Jade. And my name is Amina, Jade's mom. Today will be a continuation of our discussions about Black mental health. In this discussion, we are joined by Annika of the Black Dream Escape to talk about how rest and adequate sleep has been generationally stripped away from Black people. Today's guest is Annika Rains of the Black Dream Escape, which is a therapeutic practice that provides education about guides, and soothes the sleep and rest of Black and Indigenous people. Annika, along with being the Black Dream Escape's senior rest doula, is a licensed therapist with a focus on how trauma impacts marginalized communities, as well as an artist. Welcome, Annika, and thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Um, I know I said a little bit about you, but can you tell the listeners some more about yourself and the work that you do? Mm Mm-hmm. I am a therapist, and I mostly do therapy in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I do therapy two ways. So I work for a private practice as a licensed social worker, and I do my rest doula work, which is the big part of Black Dream Escape. So being a rest doula means that I guide people from an awake state to a restless state, and we do that specifically through lullabies and guided meditations that we write original scripts for. I I was able to watch one of the lullaby sessions you guys put on YouTube, mm-hmm. and that was that was really soothing to listen to, and just That's nice cool. to like have that on as background noise. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I found your Black Dream Escape. I just thought it was such a cool concept and such a cool practice and way to heal. Mm -hmm. So can you talk about the Black Dream Escape and how you came up with it, how it developed? Like, what is it? What does it look like? Just some information about it so we can really understand your mission and what you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. I started of doing Black Dream Escape work in 2015, again in Pittsburgh. And I first started doing nap installations around the city. And I had a tent that I would put up in different parts of town and invite people as a Black-only space to rest and drink some water, hydrate. And 
uh, one installation that I did indoors was for a specific like art practice or just a concept was like dreaming indoors in an indoor forest. And that's where I met Windafire. He came to that installation in particular, and we just decided to start talking about writing meditations and music together. At first, it was just because I was telling his mom, who I knew before him, that I wanted to incorporate a choir into a practice. And when the fire was already a musician, so we were kind of collaborating on that dream. And we had our first lullaby session together in 2018 as like a big public event. And after that, that's kind of how we established our lullaby sessions as like a monthly thing. Now that I have the knowledge that I have from five years of doing nap installations and breast assessments for people. So before I met Windafire, I was, again, I was doing the installations. I would also do breast workshops on Black breast theory. And that's a theory that I call that we work on, which is basically the mission that you mentioned earlier, that there's a specific way that Black and Indigenous people rest. Our mission is kind of to help people remember what that way is. And so that's basically Black rest theory. And we're now really writing that down after, again, years of um, thinking and researching and trying to figure out what that exactly means. Mm-hmm. So did you say black rest theory? Is that something mm-hmm. you came up with? Yeah, it's just what I call, again, our work and what the, the therapeutic practice is actually about. So we call it a, a therapeutic practice because I am a therapist and I take different models from therapy modalities that I've learned in school and incorporate them into our sessions and in my work to basically make them blacker and more indigenous culturally specific is the issue that I've come across in my almost 10 years of being a therapist is that a lot of the modalities that most therapists use aren't culturally specific and if there are culturally specific modalities they're not easily acceptable to uh, a mass of people usually have to be in like a particular interest like spirituality you have to know someone a specific mentor there's like a way to get involved but any just community member that's not particularly engaged with a certain kind of cultural practice might not be open or have access to again African traditions is something that just takes a little more research that maybe people do but again isn't always easily acceptable so Taking from those general modalities that work, that therapists use to supposedly work for everyone, Black rest theory is kind of this theory that maybe talk therapy isn't the best way for us to go about our healing, and maybe it's time for us to now focus on resting and our levels of exhaustion rather than our pathology and the way that oppression has affected us. That's so cool to me. Um, I think just solely the fact that you guys are acknowledging that talk therapy is not going to always work. I Mm -hmm. think that's great. And that you've literally created like a whole other form of treatment for, for us and like specifically for us. 
that's just so amazing and like that's really special to me so next i just wanted to ask what does the practice look like so what are your services and how do you do your work as a rest doula mm-hmm. we do a few things so i've mentioned the lullaby sessions and windifier and i do those together and those are half lullaby, half guided meditation. And then we have like a silent piece where we're not doing anything but closing our eyes. And so that's what the, the lullaby sessions look like. On the side, do rest assessments. And that's basically, I talk to people about how to incorporate rest into their lives by giving them like a full assessment of where rest can be more apparent in their daily life. And we also do workshops on our theory because it's an original theory and something that uh, Black rest in particular, Black and Indigenous rest, something that people aren't fully understanding up to this point. There's a lot of new information now about that concept and what it might mean for communities. Because it's still fresh, we do those workshops and we try to explain to people basically where we're coming from and how art and therapy and rest all kind of mixed together to give that experience. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's great. Before you go any deeper into the theories, mm-hmm. can you just give a basic sort of summary about why sleep is important in general? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in general, for anybody, it's important because um, coming from a therapeutic perspective, it regulates our nervous system and it's kind of like an, uh, like an emotional wash So a lot of people, you know, say that they go to sleep to like resolve a problem or to come up with a solution because being awake is just causing more worry. So it's good for that. It's good for like brain cell regeneration. Again, I'm just coming from like the therapeutic aspect of what I know. And it does just solidify our learning. And that's why it's particularly good to have rest as a therapeutic center because after any therapy session, I do recommend even when I'm working in the private practice I work in, I recommend people take a nap or lay down so they can collect their thoughts from the outpouring that they just did. Hydration and reflection is a big part of our work. And sleep brings a lot of that, especially just a simple practice of sipping a glass of water an hour or two before bed or making sure that your feet and your hands and your legs are moisturized so you won't be disturbed. All of that matters when it comes to sleep health. Also, the amount of sleep we get consistently, particularly has an advantage for our lifespan and that again is particularly important for black and indigenous people because of all the ways our lives are taken from us or cut short it is particularly important for us to think about sleep hygiene and prioritize it because it's so directly related to our health wow that's 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 really important just as a human Mm -hmm. to have good sleep but you talk about the fact that black and indigenous people have generationally had, we've had our sleep and our rest disrupted or taken from us. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about how this has happened, why, and the impact that it's had on us? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, there are a few ways this come, comes about. I think that the obvious way is the cruel labor practices throughout the time that we have been on this land and other land, the, the extreme weight of that kind of work, but also these kind of like insidious ways that oppression shows up in our lives and in some of our communities. So a lot of times street lights indirectly keep people up at night and sometimes they're on frequently in neighborhoods that have been dubbed like high crime. And like also, the blue lights. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or having the cameras always watching you. I feel like that indirectly affects sleep as a whole. When it comes to the ways in which Black families have to navigate their daily living financially. So a lot of parents are working night shift just to accommodate, especially single moms, to accommodate being able to take care of their children during the day. Or one parent might be working night shift and the other. So they have separate schedules. And again, I think that's one of those insidious ways that we are affected. So it breaks the family apart, I believe, as parents aren't seeing each other and there's this disconnect. And the kids aren't seeing their parents. There's a disconnect. And um, for a lot of families, that isn't a choice. But again, it's a financial, I guess, need that disproportionately affects Black and Indigenous families because there isn't that privilege of having like a nine to five where maybe a family could be like more solidified. So those are just a few ways that that's shown up. I think the the concept of sleep deprivation being a, a racial justice issue has come in a few ways from other people. And it's just um, something that I don't think should be overlooked because it is oftentimes if we look at history and we look at the ways that Black people are treated, even in the medical field, you can see that a lot of people have these sleep issues, insomnia, or have these sleep disorders that go unacknowledged. And so they bring about different kinds of health problems. But if there was more care given to us when we went to go see a doctor, when we went to go see a therapist, we would see that oftentimes sleep is at the height of these other symptoms. Wow. So how, how do people find you? Who are your clients? As you know, Black people and our relationship with therapy and even acknowledging any type of mental health or emotional health issue is, you know, unfortunately, we just don't accept these things and then we don't seek treatment. Mm-hmm. So how are, people, how are Black and Indigenous people uh, finding you? I've mostly been using a word of mouth living in Pittsburgh, which has been hard because it's a small city and um, not really a city that is like the friendliest to Black innovative radical ideas. We're up against a big white supremacist state. So that's not an excuse. It's just kind of how it plays out. So I've been going with word of mouth. We are trying to build a mental health home in Pittsburgh. And that's another way we're trying to make ourselves more accessible. And this, it will be a place where people can come unassumingly, you know, to seek anything. It doesn't even have to be for mental health. So we're trying to stay away from some of that stigma that you're going to a mental health professional, or you're going to a clinic because it's a literal house. 
Yeah, but also we have a website, blackdreamstate.com. We have our Instagram account. But I think the the best way that people have been able to feel comfortable even talking to me is being referred or hearing that their friend did a rest assessment with me and it wasn't scary or it wasn't like intrusive. And that seems to work the best. Okay. Mm-hmm. Are your clients generally millennials? Are they Gen Z? Do you have a, a broad range of ages and socioeconomic groups? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I've mostly, for rest assessments, I've mostly talked to millennials and young Black women. For our lullaby sessions, the ages and genders and identities when it comes to Black and Indigenous identity, those those kind of demographics are diverse. So we've had some much older attendees who have needed, I guess, accommodations for it. So rather than laying down, maybe some chairs. Mm-hmm. And we haven't yet figured out how to invite like very young children into our space, mostly because if there's a nap time for like anyone under 10, that's usually very scheduled. And so if their parents bringing them at a time that isn't, it's just kind of hard. <laughs> so we're trying to figure that out. But I think uh, what helps with people feeling like uh, we aren't just for one particular group, at least when it comes to um, Black and Indigenous people feeling that way, is because we are an intergenerational practice. So Windafire is 17, I'm 31, and our uh, manager and the person we seek a lot of consultation from is 60, and that's Windafire's mom, and she's a big part of the group. So we have three generations of um, art expertise and just like young musicians and just kind of like this, uh, I kind of serve as like the middle ground of not really understanding life as a whole but also having some experience. (laughs) So, yeah, so I think that is one thing when people look at who's operating us, makes them feel like there might be something for me. Okay, so let's kind of shift gears a little bit because I want to talk about some stuff that's kind of happening right now. Mm -hmm. As you know, we're in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic and then also a ridiculous amount of Black people being murdered within such a short period of time right now. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, videos of black people being murdered are circling around online there's just mass coverage of the protests of coronavirus stuff like there's where everyone's dealing with a lot right now mm-hmm. so i'm wondering if you have either experienced higher demand for your services or if you have just noticed any changes in your sleep or the sleep of some of your clients due to the like repercussions of all of the stress that we're taking on right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you for that question. I think I've noticed a lot of people having dreams about easier or 
less grief-ridden times in their life. And I've heard that from a few clients. And same with me. I hear a lot of people saying that they're doing inner child work because those are coming up in their dreams. And yeah, similar to me, I've had a few dreams about my childhood and like being out in the uh, woods, which is like a very special part of me growing up. And I've seen, we've gotten an increase in rest assessments, just like since the pandemic occurred and not really since we've had this upsurge of protests, but I think a lot more people are coming to us to ask about the strange dreams and the the fact that they're waking up around 3, 4 a.m., without reason. And my usual response to that is that because we do have like the spiritual component, I try to answer that in two ways. And there's a belief that that is like the golden hour that a spirit will come to you and talk to you and wake you up. So he has a message for you, might be an ancestor. And then also there's that scientific piece of like sleep history that that is three or four is the hour if you are it's like your second sleep or the transition to your second sleep. So that is the hour that is like your most creative or the, the, the time that you might find the most joy. And I encourage people to embrace that hour, especially now if that's happening. And if they're waking up from like a nightmare or a dream to uh, really embrace that time that they've been given. Yeah, I think that, I think that is the answer that dreams are different and sleep patterns are different, um, I guess, for different reasons. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting that you mentioned waking up at 3, because I literally, since the pandemic started, have been waking up at 3 a.m. every single night. And Mm -hmm. I've tried so many things to try and, like, keep myself asleep throughout the night, but at 3 a.m. the dot, every single night, I wake up. So that's really interesting to hear what you said about that time and you also said to kind of like embrace that time so Mm -hmm. what would that look like someone who's you know went to sleep in the evening and woke up at three how would you explain to them what it means to like embrace that time that you have yeah I would say that is a, a particularly special time to reflect so in any way someone would like to reflect Some people like to write in a journal, other people like to draw or like fiddle with an instrument, whatever way you can get your hands moving outside of your bed and whatever gets you thinking in that moment. I would try that, especially because if it seems like you're you're not going to fall asleep anytime soon, you want to have your body get used to using your bed as just your sleep bed. So yeah, would I would encourage people to drink some water, get out again their instrument, their pen, and sit and wait for the message. Um, if it doesn't come, you know, think about why I didn't. And if it does, write it down and, and reflect on it. But I do think that is a special time and that because of my spiritual belief, I do believe that is the, the, the message time. That's the, the moment. So we want to capture it. Mm-hmm. And so right along with that, what are some some good sleep habits that we could just start using tonight? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I would, I like to tell people in general that hydration and emotion regulation is what Black Dream Escape always advocates for. So we don't say much about like having consistent sleep cycle or anything like that because we do take this harm reductive approach that not everybody can sleep at the same time every night. Um, It's just like not possible for a lot of us, but uh, everybody can rest. And especially if you only have, if you feel like you literally only have five seconds to rest, you can take a deep breath and that's a form of rest. It can literally be that simple. I feel I feel like for habits and for patterns, again, we we talk about the hydration of getting something thick like shea butter, coconut oil, or just regular lotion if you'd like, and concentrating on your skin hydration and making sure that that's right, especially because these itches and these little pains that we have in our body do distract us sometimes from good sleep and a good nap. And drinking a sip of water or a glass of water before you rest or before you lay down. If you're going to sleep, maybe an hour before so you're not waking up to use the bathroom. But get water or if you would like juice, but something again like in your throat, especially if you're going to go take a nap. And the other piece is that before sleeping or this nap or even taking your five-second breath as your form of rest to check in with how you're feeling and to try to name the emotion deeper than the primary emotions. So our primary emotions are happy, sad, fearful, and angry. And if anybody has the time to try to identify your primary emotion and then go deeper and try to explain that a little more to yourself. And that as a habit and a practice, I think will start to regulate your nervous system. And also you just get in the habit of knowing how you're feeling and taking care of yourself. Those few little things, some lotion on your hands and saying how you feel. It's like a great way to start a rest practice and you take as much time or as little time as you need to. So you call yourself a rest doula. Mm-hmm. Could you tell us how that came about? Most people think of doula and, you know, we connected with birth or postpartum mm-hmm. doulas. How did you come up with this term rest doula? Yeah, when I started thinking about my purpose in life and trying to figure out what exactly I was trying to give the world as like my gift while I'm here, I thought about rest and uh, my own rest and my own sleep cycle being a, a birthing practice for the person I am, especially because at the time I was dealing with a lot of mental health issues personally, and I just, nothing was working. <laughs> and I wasn't even looking for like a quick fix. I was just, it just felt like there was some other route that I couldn't get to. And so I was fighting sleep at some point and eventually I just surrendered and I felt like a rebirth. I felt like and um, part of me died because I was holding on to some things and sleeping in the way that I was sleeping and getting enough sleep. It felt like I'd given birth to myself in a way. And so I took rest doula because I think doula literally means, you know, it's a literal birth or, and this rest being the birthing process and me 
hoping to guide people through that process through their own birth and the the birth that they might be giving the others to. So yeah, that's basically where that um, term came from. And the idea that rest and sleep is like a, a little death for all of us when we go to sleep. Obviously, we wake up as like the same person, but there are some theories that you know, in the way that we dream, in the the way that we can use dreams as um, tools for creativity and to understand ourselves, that we're waking up in um, a whole new day and could be in a whole new outlook. Um, there's always that chance we die and come back alive in a sense. So, mm-hmm. it it sounds really amazing, and it 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 seems to be a way for Black and Indigenous people to to just be gentle with ourselves mm-hmm. because we're, we we tend to just, you know, plow through each day full steam ahead mm-hmm. without really, you know, giving some good self-care. Mm-hmm. So how do we convince, you know, other Black people and Indigenous people how important quality sleep is? Mm-hmm. I think... The way that we have been guiding people through that is just to acknowledge what people already do. And so we have these, along with our like Black rest theory, this concept of us remembering what our ancestors did to rest. And humming is a big part of our work and um, our lullabies and something that we find especially important to remember that that is something that a lot of our ancestors did. A lot of people who were enslaved did to regulate, again, their nervous system. Recently heard an interview by someone at NPR talking about the vagus nerve and how humming regulates that sensory component, and that's very true. And breathing, again, big size, big size of relief. Another meditative practice that people already do. Hair braiding is another one that we highlight a lot or doing our hair is a a meditative practice because meditation is noticing and being in the moment. You can't do that. You can't braid, um, you can't twist without noticing what you're doing, at least at first. And so that is very much a meditative practice. So what we try to do is, again, with the assessments, especially when I do them for individual people, I try to show them what they're actually doing, how to name that as rest so they can do it more often so they don't go without acknowledging that they've been taking care of themselves. It's just been unconscious. So helping them remember that, you know, they haven't totally given up and that there are people in their lives even that they can do these things with. You know, you can breathe with your friend. You can hum in harmony with their friend. And they're all accessible things. Nothing you have to buy or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I'm curious. What do you think of apps? There's so many apps out there now. Calm, Mm -hmm. and and there are several that Mm -hmm. people use to help them either go to sleep, stay asleep, um, just curious about what you think about these apps. Or do you think yeah. they're helpful? Do you think it's just more marketing? Um, um, I think that, again, with the harm reductive approach, if someone is having a really hard time starting a rest practice or remembering to take deep breaths, that those apps are great. 
And in the beginning, they're useful, but they're a tool to get to this other point, which I think long-term is it would be beautiful if people could rest without a guide. So we have two components of introducing people to these rest practices and also the luxury of just being able to hear a lullaby, even if you don't need, you know, a rest guide. And I think we, yeah, we just do that in two ways, but I think those apps do that in a specific way, but I wouldn't rely on them or I wouldn't recommend someone put them in like a long-term practice because the idea is that you have options to either use the app or use only yourself in silence if you want and be able to shut off your brain when you want to. That means if your phone is dead, your computer is away, the internet is gone, you know, that you'll be able to do that, look internally and regulate yourself. That's kind of the end goal that we try to guide people to. But I think those apps are like a good gateway, I guess, Mm -hmm. if you need help, use it. But to have a plan to get away from them. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to ask, um, it seems that there's a lot of like art mixed in with what the Black Dream Escape is doing. Is art or art practices uh, something that you also encourage in the Black Dream Escape? Or do you really just use it as a tool to help others? Mm-hmm. I think both. We definitely use it as a tool just because music is such a a huge part of what we do. And the the co-creative process is also what inspires the rest practice template that we show people. And so sitting down to receive that creative message and taking a minute to shut off your brain so you can hear yourself think and be able to create from that is in very similar way that we teach people to rest with the idea of naming your emotion first and then going into this meditative practice however uh, you see fit but they are very similar and also in the way that art is freedom and that if it's stifled it's it's a problem And so when we think about rest in that way, if we are told that sleep and our sleep hygiene can only be one particular way, and if you don't have the lifestyle, then you're not going to sleep well. And in the same way that the idea that sleep is impossible for Black and Indigenous people because of all the oppression that we have been exposed to and suffered in, we don't believe that's true. And also, so we think those are stifling things. And what is the freedom is that there are so many possibilities, so many ways to rest. They're specific to you, just your art is specific to you and your expression. So the practices are similar. And then, like you said, we use it as a tool. 
and that the meditations we use are all original. I write them, and then Wendy Fire writes original music, and we collaborate on some lullabies. Mm-hmm. Great, yeah, and I I love how you know you keep saying how there there's other forms of rest and of sleep. Right. I think that's that's super important because. I think it's easy for people to be like, oh, can't go to sleep at the recommended time of night, so I'm just going to throw it away or can't sleep for eight hours tonight, so I'm going to stay up all night. So I think that would be really helpful for people just knowing that sleep and rest don't only look like laying in bed like under the covers and going to sleep it can look like different things mm-hmm. so could you like expand on that a little what what rest can look like yeah. yeah we because our practice is so specific we just talk a lot about how like ancestrally we get these we we can see messages of how we can rest and it being kind of like a direct fight against the oppressive world we live in. So I mentioned earlier breathing as a rest practice, even for five seconds. It's definitely, if you know, if we give it a little deeper thought, definitely a radical practice for Black and Indigenous people because we are so often, again, our breath is taken away. Or I know a lot of Black and Indigenous people are suffering from panic and anxiety disorders because of racial battle fatigue. And so sometimes I've had a few clients through the, the years who forget to breathe or don't realize that they're holding their breath. Yeah. So that's a radical rest practice for us as Black and Indigenous people. Also, you know, obviously taking a nap is a 20-minute nap, especially, is a great rest practice. That 20 minutes is key for the certain kind of like sleep cycle that will help you feel rested. There are like specific breathing techniques that you could do. We use the four, seven, eight breath most often, and that's the resting breath. That's something you can do before you go to sleep. And I think the the big idea or the 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 root of all of that, all those small suggestions is that thinking about And what I try to tell people is try to go again back to your inner child or your childhood and think about the times that you felt joy and that you felt rested and carefree and try to replicate that thing in your adult life, whatever it may be. And we often give suggestions, but again, we want to create um, a template for people. So that is kind of the template, the inner child work of thinking about what worked back then before the world was apparent (laughs) and thinking about what is rest for them. And that's kind of where we come in as a therapeutic practice too, is helping people understand what is rest personally for them. But sometimes people would identify it as sleep. I think other people might say that it's knowing that their kids are okay while they're in the other room and how can they do that, you know, be able to take that breath knowing that their children are safe or being able just to have like a day off of work, you know, that's a rest for some people. So yeah, I would definitely personalize it and just reflect and think about what rest actually feels like and what it means to an individual person. Yeah, that's, 
That's really great. And so we know how much sleep and mental health go together and how much sleep affects mental health. And just as you're talking, I feel like Black people don't seek out treatment as much as other people, especially if it's called like therapy or like mental health treatment. Um, So I'm wondering like if your practice, if the Black Dream Escape could be like a gateway into exploring and healing a person's mental health because you know sleep is something that everyone does it's not like a topic that is as much of a taboo as mental health is Mm -hmm. so I feel like people may be more willing to come and receive your services as opposed to like receiving a traditional therapy Mm -hmm. um So yeah, I'm just wondering, have you noticed like the differences between your clinical work and your work with the Black Dream Escape? Is there like more comfort in the work with the Black Dream Escape or is it less comfort? Like how does that play out? I think right now I'm seeing more discomfort with my rest practice than the therapeutic practice. And I work with clients in the the private practice that I contract with who are all voluntary and same with my rest practice. And because I have voluntary clients, they have kind of like a a mission or a goal to get to or something they definitely want to talk about. I think it's harder right now because this budding like rest movement, rest revolution, whatever we want to call it. It's hard still for Black and Indigenous people to feel safe laying down in a public space, even if it's around other Black and Indigenous people, that uh, a lot of times I've, I've heard and I sense that people just need to get used to laying down and not feeling guilty about it and carving out a space in their day to do that. It's like your mom said, we go full force all day for many particular reasons. And there's just a lot of intergenerational guilt about not doing that. That is a no fault of our own, but there is a way to address that, which is like we're talking about rest and sleep. But our silent portion of our our live all of our sessions are it's probably the hardest part for people because there's nothing going on. Um, literally just asking people to lay down and close their eyes, even if they aren't sleeping. And that's um, still even hard for me. I've been doing it for a bit of time now. But that's the hard, but so it's a challenge because it's still the feeling and the, again, the, the, the release and the surrender that it takes is just like not common to people because it hasn't been safe for us to do any of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I can see why, like at the end where it's all silent, how that can be kind of very vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I also feel like that period of silence probably is a good time of like reflection and processing for people I feel like there's probably a lot of like internal like emotional work going on 
within people during that time. I'm just so excited to hear all about all of this work. This is so cool to me. I genuinely think this could be like a way for Black and Indigenous people to receive mental health care, mm -hmm. but it be like of an environment that's like culturally inclusive and culturally sensitive, but also that doesn't have all of that like I don't know, kind of like stagnant professional therapy office type mm -hmm. of space. It's more relaxed. So yeah, I'm I'm just kind of elated with oh. everything you've talked about. Oh, glad. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is revolutionary. I mean, it it maybe it's not to you, but just for someone who's had issues with sleep mm -hmm. and rest, you know, off and on throughout my life, these everything that you're saying is it just makes so much sense. Hmm. And I just hope that with, you know, this interview and with the work that you're doing, more Black and Indigenous people can can start looking at our rest and our sleep in a different way. Mm -hmm. So I think one of the most um, profound things that I've heard you say is that for Black and Indigenous people, breathing is a radical rest practice. Mm -hmm. Could you just talk about that a little more? That just has kind of blown me away. Yeah, I think that definitely comes from what we were talking about when I was talking about panic and anxiety and disorders and those being breath disruptive disorders and how a lot of the ways that oppression kind of shows up in our body is that it takes our breath away in these different ways. And that this concept that for Black and Indigenous people, rest is in large part forced upon us. And the final rest, which is death, death is like this rest that we don't come back from in the same way. I should say that. And that's forced through police brutality, from hate crimes, from other ways that we are taken from this earth that could have been prevented or from neglect, whatever the case may be, in the way that maybe we could have lived a long life of rest and joy. A lot of times we are not doing that and not because of our own actions. So our breath, again, in many ways being taken away. I think if you think about breath as like the, if breath is resting and breathing for five seconds is that rest is like this original rest. It's the first rest because you breathe, you come out of the womb. It's like almost the first thing you do. <laughs> that's how, that's the sign of life. That's how you know things are about to get started. Here's your life. And for us to own that and acknowledge that that is very important is that um, in a lot of ways we are forced to live for others, whether it be like explaining white supremacy to white people, especially when it comes to Black women, the standard that we have to take care of other people and do everything, our lives. And again, even that metaphorical breath is taken away and breathing is just, again, getting back to that original rest, the first form of life that we show to the world. So it's just essential that we remember that and protect it and acknowledge our breathing. Again, with those breathing techniques, there's like many lists online 
I use the four, seven, eight breath. But again, uh, even a deep sigh is just enough. But remembering to do it and remembering its importance is essential. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So do you have resources for people who wish to expand their rest practice or would you just direct them to your um, website? Yeah, they can go to our website. And, well, I would more like direct them to our Instagram account because that's where like okay. our daily information is. But there are other rest like practitioners or rest artists that have similar vein but different and we like to encourage a variety of black thought. So nap ministry is very popular and that's another resource. Black power naps is a, another resource getting to this concept of like black rest and what that means. Uh, one person that has supported us a lot and consults us is Dr. Jennifer Mullane, decolonizing therapy. And we support a lot of her work and she's given us a lot of guidance and there, you know, I would also just encouraging again that that autonomy, self-autonomy is that people look and think about what would resonate with them when it comes to their own particular Black rest. So it doesn't even have to be someone who is talking about rest. Again, if you enjoy breathing <laughs> and that's the only thing you want to do, I would try to find somebody who also enjoys breathing and if they're in their practice deeply, learn from them, maybe off the internet, maybe you know someone personally. Or if you are into meditation, think about other Black meditation guides. Yeah, I would think about Black voices too and the importance of hearing a Black voice even while you're sleeping. And those kind of concepts, again, just making sure that you are catering your rest knowledge and your rest practice to things that particularly work for you and how you know yourself and not just like what other people are saying will work. <laughs> okay. And lastly, how can we and our audience stay up to date with uh, you and the work that you're doing? Mm -hmm. Well, most of my work is through Black Dreamscape. So we have the Instagram account, a YouTube channel, which we're trying to grow and our website all under the name Black Dream Escape. I have an Instagram account, but mostly if you want to book a session and just know more about Black Dream Escape and my work with them, that's the page. My Instagram account is restdoula, but it's like half personal, more about like the inner work of building a practice like this. So if people are interested in that, they can log on to there too. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Um, Thank you. This, yeah, this was very insightful for me. I know I'm going to use some of the tools that you've talked about. And I, I can't wait to share this because I think there's so many people that need to hear this and don't know that they need to hear this. And this is going to open some eyes. So oh, really really i'm very thankful that we were able to have you on here oh i'm thankful for both of you yeah thank you
Thank you for listening to this episode of Students of Mind. I would like to give a huge thank you to Annika for being on the show today. I'm really excited to share this with you guys because I think that the work that the Black Dream Escape is doing is really significant, and I also feel like it could be revolutionary in the healing of Black and Indigenous people. So that being said, I really want to spread the word about Black Dream Escape as much as I can. So please share this episode with whomever you think will benefit from it. If you want to book a rest assessment, attend a lullaby session, or just learn more about the Black Dream Escape and the creators Annika and Windifier, you can follow them at Black Dream Escape on Instagram or go to their website, blackdreamescape.com. All of this info, as well as any other resources mentioned in the episode, will be included in the description. Don't forget to subscribe, share, and leave a review for this podcast, and we will see you next episode. Hello, I'm Dr. Stephen Farber, and I am an author, teacher, psychotherapist, and shamanic practitioner. On my podcast, Healing for Your Soul, I welcome some amazing guests and introduce you to some healing techniques like earth magic, working with nature and animals, and really getting to the heart of what is keeping you stuck. I want to help you deepen your spirituality and let go of blocks that are holding you back. Let me help you in this journey called life. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Do you have an online course or an event or a book you'd like to promote? We've got the right audience for you. Our listeners love content like the show you just heard. You can reach our engaged audiences by advertising right here on mindbodyspirit.fm, the podcast network, in shows about wellness, self-care, spirituality, angels, and more. Contact info at mindbodyspirit.fm.